we're so used to seeing things that, in my opinion, aren't quite right in our treatment of animals. Yeah, the less we eat, the less violence is being done, and the less destruction to the environment. Everyone eats, and everyone has to make a moral decision every time that we sit down to the table. Welcome to Animal Voices. We are Western Canada's only radio program dedicated to animal advocacy and compassionate living. We're here on 100.5 FM CFRO Vancouver Co-op Radio in so-called Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. More specifically, we're on Musqueam, Tsleil-Waututh, and Squamish land. Today is Friday, July 17th, 2020. Something you probably didn't know about July 17th is that it's International Ice Cream Day. So this episode is going to be dedicated to ice cream, which might be kind of shocking for a vegan radio program, but there are many ways to enjoy ice cream as a vegan person, be it with cashew bases, coconuts, even oat these days. The world is changing and we have ice cream. So I am going to be your host, me, Grace Wampold, and also, of course, the lovely Leah Thompson. We are recording and editing this week's show from the safety of our own homes. So stay tuned. I have an interview with the owner of Nora's Plant Base that was started here in so-called Vancouver. And Leah also has an interview this week with a vegan ice cream company. Cheery Cheery serves up Filipino-style ice cream in three vegan flavors. Stay tuned for that interview as well. Are you a renter in Vancouver wondering how you'll be able to pay rent during the pandemic? Are you worried about rent debt or the possibility you might be evicted from your home? The Vancouver Tenants Union has your back. They have been very busy during the COVID-19 crisis trying to affect legislative change that protects renters all over the city from rent debt, rent increases, and eviction. Find out how you can be involved by visiting their website at vancouvertenantsunion.ca or send them an email at tenantsunion.yvr at gmail.com. Happy International Ice Cream Day. You're about to hear an interview with Catherine, the owner of Norris Plant-Based. Enjoy. Hello. Hi. It's nice to finally get to talk to you. Yeah, thanks for uh, asking me on. I'm excited. How have things been? Good. Um, I think COVID has actually been pretty good for us, which is surprising. Like we didn't know how it was going to go, but um, I think people just really want to support local right now. And so our sales are actually up, which is awesome. And it's summertime. So yeah, things are going well. So I guess we can really just start with... um, who are you and what is your brand? Sure. Uh, so I'm Catherine. I'm originally from Halifax, Nova Scotia, actually, but I've kind of been slowly moving west for school and stuff. And I ended up moving out to Vancouver for a job about seven years ago. And I absolutely love it. Um, and I feel like being in Vancouver just like really awakened 
my love for nature and the environment. It's really top of mind when you're out here and you're surrounded by beauty and nature. So that was always top of mind for me. And then um, actually watching the documentary Cowspiracy really opened my eyes. I hadn't really made the connection between what I was eating and what I said I cared about, which was the environment and climate change. So that was a big eye opener for me. So just kind of led me down the rabbit hole of all those different books and podcasts and documentaries. And I decided to go vegan in 2016. And um, I started my brand Nora's, sorry, I'm kind of going on a long rambling answer of this, but um, me becoming vegan really inspired this like new vegan food movement and start my brand, which is Nora's plant-based ice cream. And um, I was just looking for a great vegan ice cream, to be honest, and I wasn't finding what I was looking for. And I was on a family vacation when I kind of had this aha moment because it was summer. We were having this like delicious apple crumble, which is so good with vanilla ice cream. And I was eating this very coconutty ice cream. I won't mention a brand, but it just wasn't what I was looking for. And I thought like, okay, cashews are super creamy. They're super neutral. I knew how to use them in other applications. And I figured um, cashew ice cream would probably be creamier than what I was seeing on the shelves. Um, so yeah, that's kind of how everything started. And then I started this brand with my fiance, Tyler, and we launched it in 2017. Um, and now we're sold in Western Canada, so BC and Alberta. We're in about 300 stores, and it's been a really fun adventure. When I first uh, had your ice cream, I was living on UBC campus in the dorms, and I found a pint of your ice cream the only corner store on campus. It was truly a salvation. And it's so rare to find these vegan options on college campuses. So I really thank you for that. That's amazing. On that note, the ice cream that I tried was a strawberry ice cream. And you really rarely find that um, in the vegan ice cream aisle. Yeah, I was wondering how you came up with your four main flavors. So I wanted to know kind of the story behind your flavors. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I would say we definitely went for a more classic um, flavor profile. So we've got our vanilla bean, which was kind of inspired by that um, that trip where I was kind of the one left out eating my super coconutty ice cream and it didn't taste like vanilla bean ice cream. So after looking around and seeing that that really didn't exist in the market, we knew that we had to have that because we knew that other people were looking for it too. If we were, then other people were. Um, we've also got a strawberries and cream, which is another surprisingly difficult thing to find um, in a vegan version. So um, we really wanted to have that too. And then we've also got a mint chip, which is just a classic, like I always used to get that as a kid at a corner store or whatever. And it's, that's another thing that I was having a really hard time finding um, as a vegan. And then the last one is peanut butter and chocolate. Um, so this is just kind of my favorite classic two flavors coming together. So it's a chocolate base with a peanut butter ripple. And it really reminds me of like the Haagen-Dazs chocolate peanut butter flavor that is like so creamy and decadent. And that's another thing that I always try to keep in mind is decadence because to me, ice cream is meant to be full fat, full indulgent, a treat, a dessert. And I feel like 
um, we wanted to reflect that in the flavors that we were offering. I really like that sentiment that veganism is a philosophy. It's not about healthy eating. That anything you can do, regardless of how it impacts your body, can be made in a vegan way, uh, whether that be with cashews um, or coconuts. Yes. Yeah, for sure. That's just why I was excited to do this show. And I was wondering, I mean, would you consider yourself an ice cream lover then? I have met brand owners who don't actually eat the thing that they sell. Oh, yeah. I, I love ice cream. I will say that over the past three years, I I don't eat our ice cream as much as I did just because the first year was literally so many recipes being tested. It was like every single day for a year. So um, I've kind of cut back on that. But I, yeah, I absolutely love ice cream. I just feel like ice cream is one of those foods that is connected to so many of my best like childhood memories. I feel like you know, we probably all feel that way. Um, and when I went vegan, you know, obviously it was important enough for me to give that up, but I didn't want to have to. And I found that as I tried other vegan alternatives that I liked, like I kind of, it was sort of a process for me as I know it is for a lot of people. And it's like, okay, once I try a good vegan butter, I'm like, okay, well, I don't have to, I'm not buying butter anymore. I found a good vegan mayo. Okay, great. This is what I'm buying from now on. So I kind of wanted to create this ice cream that could be for, for people like me who are just maybe um, curious about becoming vegan or they're on their journey to becoming vegan. And it's like a moment where they realize that they don't have to give up ice cream um, or they don't have to give up ice cream as they do it because um, they think that what they're going to be getting is like subpar and not as good, which I felt, which I felt too, which is why I created the brand. Um, I will say that when I created the brand, it was in 2017. And back then, even there were not nearly as many options as there are now. There's so many now, which is great, but also like a lot of competition for me, just a tiny brand. And all the big brands have come out with their own versions, which I think is really amazing. Um, so yeah, I would just love to I would I love hearing from people actually who are not vegan yet or who are kind of trying to to go that direction who reach out and say that um, like our product is kind of helping them make that transition. I think that's really cool. Yeah, and that is such a good point that a lot of people don't want to give up their family history and their culture and their family recipes. I went vegan in 2015. Once I made that choice, I needed to try everything out. Whereas now you can test things and build your arsenal because they are just more commonplace that you might be exposed to something and it makes you aware of the fact that being vegan doesn't mean you're giving up what you loved. Yeah. One of my friends bought your ice cream and she wasn't vegan at the time, but she was just curious. Yeah, that's so cool. And really enjoyed it. She could not tell the difference. Uh, which I think is really special. Yeah. I I also know that you have a very fun story behind the name of your brand, and I don't know if you're exhausted by telling this story again and again, but if you could share with our listeners where the name Nora came from. <laughs> I mean, it's kind of silly, but also kind of cute. So Nora is our cat, actually, and we adopted her 
in 2016 and it was just a few months before I kind of went down this whole self-discovery journey and realized that I wanted to go vegan and she I don't know it was the first animal that I've had that that's actually been my own and I'm just like so in love with her and it just really helped me make that connection um that like she's just an animal she's no different from the animals that we think are okay to eat like it it just kind of solidified that for me so we just kind of figured her name would be a perfect name for our brand oh I love that uh would you say that you have this is also another pretty hard question. Would you say you have a favorite flavor of your ice creams? Oh, um, I really love our peanut butter chocolate just because I'm a chocolate girl. Um, but a lot of people, I mean, they're all quite popular. Mint chip is probably our best seller just because I think it's really hard to find a mint chip that tastes non-vegan. But yeah, I'd say my personal favorite is the peanut butter chocolate. Thank you for sharing that. Uh, I was wondering, because I know that there's a lot that goes into formulating ice cream, whether that be dairy, uh, ice cream or non-dairy. So what was that process like going from choosing to make a base of cashews to having a solid formula for a vanilla vegan ice cream? Yeah, um, a lot of trial and error, like 10 months of recipe testing constantly after work, having all of our friends try it, bringing it to our family, um, research. Like if you go online, you can kind of research how do you make ice cream and then adapt those ratios. So you have the, like your fat amount, your solids, they call it, um, your liquids. So we kind of looked at those ratios that you would use in typical ice cream making and tried to mimic that with plant ingredients. So yeah, just tons of trial and error, honestly. And then when we did find a manufacturing space, we also had some guidance from people who were already experts in ice cream making, and they helped us to make our formulation just more stable and creamier and better. I think like when we realized we actually had a really great formulation was when we had our families try it who are not at all vegan, like not even close. And even they were like, oh, this is actually really good. You, you want to be able to say it stands up to even non-vegan stuff. So that's kind of what we're proud of is that non-vegans like it too. That is true. It is interesting how your taste buds adjust as a vegan. Um, but do you have plans going forward to expand your product line past these four flavors? Yes, we do. Yeah, this has actually been, I would say, one of our biggest challenges is um, expanding our flavors. We've done some really cool seasonal flavors, but we haven't ever created like uh, another permanent flavor. We are in the midst of doing that right now. Um, but it's a big challenge to find, um, for example, like a caramel sauce or like a we were, were really working on a cookies and cream flavor, but to find those cookies that are vegan, all natural, and we were palm oil free. So to, to find something at the scale, like we're still pretty small, but we're looking for cookies from a big company so that we're able to grow. Um, so we can't really just use like a local bakery as much as we want to be able to do that. We need someone with 
you know, third party food safe, all that stuff. So finding a company that makes the inclusions, which is like the mix-ins that we're looking for is really difficult. So we're kind of working on like some custom formulations right now, but um, yeah, I would say that's a big challenge just, just to get that trifecta of like vegan, natural and palm oil free. It's, it's like almost impossible. So that's been tough. I also wanted to know, um, as a cashew-based brand, if you've had any backlash over the use of cashews, because I know that that's kind of a current subject as far as sustainability. Yeah, um, that's a really good question. I think that's one of those things I didn't learn about till after I started the business. You know, we're all learning every day new information, so we you know we do not use fair trade cashews because they're just out of our price range at this point but we do we use a supplier that does ensure that the farms where the cashews are harvested do not use child labor they have fair standards work standards so um for now we're we're okay with that we would love to eventually transition to a fair trade cashew and also potentially even look at using different bases that are not cashew at all. Um, like oats, a big, a great example of a super sustainable crop that's Canadian, takes way less to get it here. Um, so we're definitely looking into alternative non-dairy milk sources. Um, yeah, good question. So are you working on an oat-based flavor? Uh, we're, we're working on it. It's tough, it's, it tastes very oaty. I don't know if you've tried oat-based ice cream, but I just find like the oat is very overpowering. So if we can figure out a way around that, then then we'd love to introduce something like that. Yeah, but taste is obviously like important. So just trying to think. I've also always been curious about people using sunflower seeds just because I'm peanut-free and I know there's a lot of nut-free vegans out there as well. Yeah. That's so fun. I was just thinking about that like the other day because I've, I see people using sunflowers as an alternative for cashews in like bosses, um, just in home recipes. And I'm like, that's actually a really good idea. So maybe I'll go home and try that. <laughs> Thank you. You heard it here first, guys. Oh, that's so exciting. Um, and I know there are a few local fully vegan brands. I was wondering if you could just share kind of how you think your company is different? What sets you apart? Like, I think all of us have the same priorities. We all care about using natural ingredients and sourcing local when we can, and everyone's products taste great. So I don't think that we really stand out from that way, but I guess we are trying to establish ourselves as more of a mainstream brand in terms of where we're carried. So for example, we're in like Safeway stores and IGAs and Bilo and then we have plans to grow, you know, hopefully nationally. We're obviously always going to be a local Vancouver brand. We're super proud to be from here, but I think it's about accessibility. We we want to be accessible to more people and we know that not everyone shops at like their local natural store or like Whole Foods or not everyone has like a spud account. So just to be able to be like everywhere, 
we feel that that will help grow the plant-based movement faster so that people don't have to make special trips and go to many different stores to find the products that they're looking for. And also will open up the people who are not necessarily like already Whole Foods shoppers, but maybe they see our product in a Safeway or something. Maybe it will help them just be like, oh, plant-based ice cream, I'll try that. I do think that when you look at the more mainstream grocery landscape, it th there are a lot of vegan ice creams already, but they're all owned by these multinational corporations. People in Canada, especially in BC, but all over Canada, are really looking to buy Canadian brands. So we would love to be that vegan ice cream made in Canada that's a fully vegan company that doesn't have any dairy offerings. Yeah, I really love how you talk about decadence and how you acknowledge that ice cream was never meant to be a health food. Um, I was basically begging UBC to offer more vegan options in the dining hall, like comfort foods, like guardian chicken strips. And I was told those were really unhealthy foods, even though they have the animal-based counterparts. And it was really hard to just explain to people that we're not necessarily after health as vegans, that not eating animals is a moral choice. And I want the decadent strawberry ice cream. Right, exactly. Yeah, well, I think it's kind of like the beyond beef conversations. It's like, well, that's not healthy, but it's like, well, it's like when you want a burger on the grill, it's not necessarily like it's you're not making a necessarily healthy choice, but you just want a burger and you don't want it to contain animal. And it's the same with our ice cream. Like it's it's definitely I feel like there are like Coconut Bliss, for example, has been around for so long and they have a great product and they're super clean ingredients and they're all organic, um, but it is healthier. And and that's great for some people. But um, for, for what we're going for, it's really just like if you want ice cream, but you don't want it to have dairy then have ours instead. <laughs> it's not necessarily like if you're on a diet or if you're trying to cut out sugar, that sort of thing. Um, maybe it's not the best for, for that person. But yeah, it's just kind of it's not really a health product. It's just a vegan version of a food that a lot of people love. Yeah. I also wanted to ask you about, you know, the romanticism of being an ice cream maker. So what has the reality been over the last three years of actually owning an ice cream company? That's a great question. Yeah, it is funny. Like when I meet someone new and they ask me what I do, I'm like, I own an ice cream company. Like I never thought that this would be my life. <laughs> um, it's great that it is, but it's not something that you like think you're going to do when you're going through school and stuff. So um, it's been really cool. I've met some great people. Um, learned a lot about myself and I would say I would say the first year and when you're getting ready to launch it was it was my experience at least that it's like so exciting and it's kind of like a honeymoon period where you just can't believe that this is what you get to do and then after about a year like reality sets in and it's still exciting and I try to come back to my mission when I'm feeling like that when I'm feeling not motivated there's a lot of pressure on you to like push it forward and to always be thinking about the next thing. And I don't always know what I'm doing. <laughs> I don't know the best course of action and there's no one I can ask. 
you know, it's, it's different than having a manager that you can kind of bounce ideas off of. My co-founder and I do that, but it's, it's been a lot of ups and downs, some amazing moments and some really terrible times. We're going up against some of the biggest companies in the world. Like if you, if you go into a store and look at our product on the shelf and you look at all the ice cream around it, the amount of resources and to try to take market share away from those companies and to, to try to get consumers to pick ours instead of the one right next to it or above it that's maybe two or three or even four dollars cheaper we've proven that we have a product that people like they keep buying our sales are growing so i think we're at the best place now that we've ever been so i'm excited to keep moving forward and growing from here so it's just you and your partner did you ever have a staff? The first year was just Tyler and I, and then we were like, this is crazy. I don't know why we're doing this. Just the two of us just was so much labor on our part. So then we finally hired a few people. We did that for a year. And then um, we found a manufacturer who was able to like take over the manufacturing for us, basically. So we stepped away from that and are, are kind of mostly focusing now on just growing the business. So that's been a nice change to get out of the kitchen. You mentioned your mission statement a bit earlier. I was wondering if you could share that with our listeners. I've never actually like formally written it out as like, because we don't really have an office or anything to like post it. It's kind of more in my brain, but it, it basically just is to have less people eating dairy. Um, and ice cream is just one facet of dairy, I know, but it's a facet that a lot of people love. It's just really my mission to, to reduce the suffering of, animals in the dairy industry to reduce the carbon footprint associated with the dairy industry. I believe that eating cashews is healthier than eating dairy from a personal health perspective. Like like I said, it's not a health product. It still has sugar, but in my opinion, it's healthier than dairy. And reaching people who eat dairy, who want to eat less dairy, I want to be there with my product for that person to support them on their journey, hopefully support as many people as possible to adopt a fully plant-based diet that's kind of my mission yeah you're also one of the fewer companies that chose the direct to retail route rather than having a storefront and i wanted to know what went into that decision had we maybe lived in la or somewhere hot we maybe would have considered it vancouver it just felt like a risk vancouver's not always sunny and there are already some really big players that have storefronts that offer vegan flavors and um the amount of upfront capital that i think it it would have taken was a lot higher than what it took for us to launch into grocery stores so i would love to open a storefront one day um i think interacting with your customers is something that i do miss out on because you don't see the person going to the grocery store and picking up the pint and eating it at home unless they like tag us on Instagram or something, which I always love. I was also wondering about the choice of the word plant-based because you are a fully vegan company, but you decide to market it as plant-based. And I was just wondering some of the thought behind that. Right. Yeah. Initially in our marketing, I did have vegan in there because it's important to me. Some people might be mad at me for like changing the word plant-based, but I really think it's slightly more inclusive word to people who are not yet vegan um, or to people who are not vegan at all, but they're they're hearing plant-based everywhere and they're like, oh, plant-based, I want to try to eat more plant-based. So yeah, I think it definitely, it is a deliberate 
choice to use the term plant-based kind of on our product and um, on our website and our Instagram and stuff. And I hope that doesn't alienate any vegans listening, but I like to support people towards a plant-based diet. And I just hope to be inclusive and accepting of people who are not yet vegan. And I don't think that my product is just for vegans because unfortunately that's still a very small percent of the population. So in order to appeal to the most people possible, I feel that using the term plant-based is slightly easier for people to kind of ease into, if that makes sense. I think that's completely fair. And also just really honest, you as a person are a vegan and your company is definitely a vegan company, but the food itself is plant-based, right? Because veganism is more of a philosophy and just eating something that doesn't contain animal products doesn't make you a vegan. It's an entire lifestyle change rather than just choosing to only eat, you know, non-dairy and no flesh. So I think that's really a really fair point and a really good choice for your brand. Yeah. It's been so lovely having you. Is there anything else you want to say? Um, well, go try the ice cream if you haven't. If you haven't. I might as well shamelessly plug my business, um, Nora's Plant-Based. You can follow us on Instagram at Nora's Plant-Based and check out our website if you want to find us in a store near you. We're in BC and Alberta. Um, lots of our retailers are in Vancouver. I assume a lot of your listeners are in Vancouver, so it should be really easy to find us. And um, yeah, hope you get a chance to try it and you enjoy it. And thank you so much for being on the show and happy International Ice Cream Day. <laughs> and thanks for having me on. Bye. Have a great day. Thank you, Grace. Bye. You are listening to Animal Voices on Vancouver's Co-op Radio, 100.5 FM CFRO, 100% listener-sponsored radio broadcasting live from the east side on unceded Coast Salish territories. As the COVID-19 pandemic continues to spread, it is important to stay safe. Coronavirus is now in Canadian provinces and territories. By law, if you have traveled abroad recently, you must self-isolate. To do your part, stay home as much as possible and practice social distancing. Try to maintain at least two meters away from others. Encourage those who are sick or showing symptoms to self-isolate or to seek medical attention. As always, wash your hands frequently, avoid touching your face, and practice good respiratory etiquette by covering your coughs and sneezes. Clean regularly used surfaces. COVID-19 symptoms can mimic colds and flu and include fever, cough, and difficulty breathing. Infected individuals may also have mild symptoms or none at all. For up-to-date information, check reliable sources like your local health authority or the Public Health Agency of Canada. Now for our second interview, in our ice cream episode, Leah will be interviewing the owner of Cheery Cheery Ice Cream, a Filipino-style vegan ice cream brand out of California. And the owner is actually starting a second project called Mooney Mooney to facilitate community for the vegan Filipino population in her area. So stay tuned. <sighs> Don't we love vegan ice cream? 
Hi, Christy. Welcome to Animal Voices. Thank you for joining us today. Hi, thanks for having me. Of course. Can you please tell us about Cheery Cheery and how it started and what your mission is as a business? Yeah. Cheery Cheery is very much an outward expression of me and my family and that relationship and um, wanting so badly to capture that for others who are either yearning, yearning that kind of loving relationship or wanting to tap into something uh, again that maybe they've missed. I, I think that's the beauty of ice cream, right? It's a nostalgia, but um, I never want things to feel static that you're just visiting it from the past, but that you're actually engaging with it. And so having grown up in Los Angeles, California, and my grandparents who immigrated from Philippines, and we were pretty much growing up with them in the U.S. all the way until I was five or six, I kept hearing about the Philippines, but not really knowing so too much beyond just what I was told. And I, I realized that it didn't matter. It didn't matter if I didn't know too much about the Philippines because what the Philippines was for me and what I'm sure is for what any country or a sense of home for other people is, is usually the people and the relationships that are built um, and that connectivity. And so I knew growing up that I want to preserve that essence of that relationship in some form. And not everyone has that. Um, I say not everyone has that because I, I work full-time at Walt Disney Animation Studios and um, Cheery Cheery is what I do when I have free time to share with the world. Um, and realizing that there's only a handful of Filipinos and sometimes I would ask them, oh, I didn't know you're a Filipino. It's just like, and they're like, yeah, I know. I'm not, I'm not a great Filipino. Um, I'm, I don't speak the language too well, or I only know the food, or maybe I don't like the food. And so there's all of these things that um, I remember hearing a lot of peers say in college as well. And there's, there's a, a certain kind of love for our own culture, a certain kind of love for ourselves that was either missing or being muddled at some point. How come I was exposed to very similar things that they were exposed to, yet somehow I'm like so in love with my culture, so in love with, with everything that it has to do with. And I realize it's because I'm, I'm so in love with the teachings and with the, with the beauty that my grandparents gave me. And so it's like, it's a huge responsibility to make sure that people feel that too, because, because that, that greatly shapes the way that people perceive their past, their present and their future. And I, and I hope that it gives them the same kind of feeling that my grandparents gave me, which is that cheerful love. That's why we call it cheery, cheery. I thought it was so beautiful that you called your ice cream a highly intentional form of love. Mm -hmm. I thought that was so sweet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's when I see it, I don't see ice cream. I literally do not see it as ice cream. I see it as ice cream was the best medium to carry out the essence of, of like what I felt I was very lucky to have in my life. And so if I can share that, then I need to make sure that 
it's not just something that's made and, and given out there. It's something that is really thought about and that the experience is beyond when they eat it. And it's like, well, how do they feel after it? And how do they feel connected to it? And is there a person that they feel connected to or that they feel that they should revisit after it? You know, a lot of times it's, or like people will say, this makes me think of my grandma or this makes me think of my mom. And and then they would tell me, they would, they would message me saying like, uh, I shared it with my with my mom after I got to your pop-up or I talked to them and all of the realizations that came from like just having something remind them about there is someone out there that loves you that much or if it's not a person that you have in your family or in your friends that there's a company that is thinking so so much about you that if you don't have it in your own life, then hopefully you have it through the engagement in our pop-up. Um, so I know your vegan, your ice cream company, Cheery Cheery, started out using milk and eggs. Can you tell us more about why that changed and your vegan journey? Yeah. When I started making ice cream, you know, when you typically think of ice cream, it has the, the usual ingredients with egg, sugar, um, dairy. And uh, this was around the same time after two years of me figuring out a regular, the way that we're used to having ice cream, that my mom was diagnosed with breast cancer. And that was really hard for our family because she, she was constantly watching videos and trying to inform us of how we can better our own diet and also be supportive to each other. And uh, immediately after after watching documentary, she started throwing out all the meat and dairy from from the refrigerator, and I knew that well, those are all the ingredients that were used into the ice cream. So I have to not only change the ice cream, but change our lifestyle. And um, it was really nice to see that a lot of people were so receptive to it because if something affected my family, it wasn't a single incident, right? That means that there's many families out there who also are either going through similar health diseases or uh, they themselves are lactose intolerant. And so it, it opened up um, being more inclusive. And so I'm, I'm very grateful that that was a natural pivot and not one that people might think of like, oh, she's hopping on a trend. But no, it was definitely trying to address a problem that was affecting my family and I would, wouldn't want that to be a barrier to other families as well. Mm -hmm. That's really cool. Thank you for sharing. Yeah. <laughs> was it difficult for you to adapt the flavors in the ice cream or was it a pretty easy shift? Um, like I said, it took like two years for me because I am self-taught of how I make my ice cream. And so it took two years for me to go from trying to figure out all of these different milks um, and consistencies and just trying to get it to as creamy as possible. It, almost each flavor had its own recipe. Once it turned vegan, um, it opened up coconut milk for me. Then I was just like, you know what? Um, why not embrace the fact that that's really heavily used in Philippine cuisine as well? So it made it a lot simpler for me to embrace allowing the creative side to flow as opposed to the the process uh, like being so stuck in the process so it was, it was beautiful to see that I could now let the story shine and not so much be fixated on 
on how to make it how to make it work chemically. So what is your process in creating these recipes and choosing which flavors to use? Yeah. Who inspired that for you? Yeah, it's it's always changing. I think I've become more accepting of the fact that as just like as my family has evolved, um, the ice cream evolves as well. And how it used to be inspired was really about listening to what were the stories that um, meant a lot to my grandparents that I kept hearing them share over and over and over. And what were the foods that coupled those stories? Like, were, were they around things? Was there anything that helped at least give context to what that story meant for them? And so it's all about context that I hope these flavors um, provide. And for me, it's now it's context to memories or context to something that was pivotal for me growing up or me appreciating more about my Filipino heritage. So I, I think about what are the things that are lesser known sometimes, or at least the ones that I'm very aware of that I was introduced to by my, my grandfather, who is so pivotal in sharing all of his stories with me at such a young age. But I realize that not everyone even that they might not have been introduced to some of these things. So how how can I introduce them to a country, to a world or to a story that they probably have not ever seen before? And those are the ones that are most exciting to me because um, building bridges where there is nothing that you can perceivably feel like there's common ground, it's helpful to to have someone willing and to have someone see where there can be a connection, even if that's through ice cream. Mm-hmm. What has your experience been like um, at pop-ups, interacting face-to-face with people who uh, are already connected to these flavors, as well as people who are new to them and just trying them for the first time? Yeah, it, it's it's beautiful to me because I see a really great mix. I see a, a really great mix of those who are just curious and want to try it or those who are, have a vegan lifestyle, those who don't have a vegan lifestyle and are, are lactose intolerant uh, and those who are uh, of with a Filipino background or know someone who's Filipino. So there's something that grabs to someone's attention um, or the fact that people just love ice cream. That that's That's like also really helpful. And I found that people stay. People have come for the ice cream, but they're staying much longer. And I love that because we want this to be more of like a dialogue, a dialogue starter. Some people ask questions about like what makes it Filipino. And some people ask questions of like, well, uh, how, how is it vegan? And these questions from both and many different communities with some kind of knowledge of uh, whether they know the Filipino flavor or whether they are familiar with coconut milk and ice cream. there Everyone has some question that needs to be answered. Who's that person to answer that question? And it's like each other, right? And so you see a dialogue happening amongst the people that are in the pop-up and it's no longer me just sharing a story, but it's other people sharing their own stories with each other that everyone has a story worth sharing and continuing and um, whether that's looking far into the past into heritage or whether that's trying to look for how can we be better to the future and everyone has nuggets that they can pull from for that. Mm-hmm. So part of what kind of sticks out in my in my view of your ice cream is that you use um, 
not just traditional flavors, but the Tagalog words for mm -hmm. the flavors. Mm -hmm. Could you tell us about that decision and why that was important for you? Yeah, I, I keep thinking about my ice cream in the form of what lessons or what exposure am I trying to share with others. Growing up in Los Angeles, it's very hard to try to imagine a world that is so far away, the Philippines, when you're growing up and haven't stepped foot in it. Um, but what my grandfather was so good at was contextualizing Philippines through imagination and sharing these stories, talking about who specifically was there so I can, it's like seeing the characters of a story. Uh, it's like, oh, she's talking about my grandma, or he's talking about my grandma, and he's talking about, so you might not have the scenery laid out for you, but you start having the characters who actually are the heart of the story. I really wanted to make sure that I, I do the same justice as he was doing. And by him showing me actual foods from the Philippines, I was like, okay, that, that gives me an idea visually. So if I don't have the ingredient in front of people, then how can I give them ideas and other sensory experiences? And so maybe that might be through language. And um, I really wanted it to be proudly Filipinx because it's, um, if I don't do it, then who's going to do it, you know? So by having the language, I think it helps introduce people into seeing another layer that it's not just flavor, it's the stories, it's the language, it's the people who's around in the pop-up, it's the meaning that each flavor carries. Yeah, I wanted people to hear it because if, if not everyone had an opportunity to go to Philippines as well, then where are they going to hear uh, the actual language spoken? I know that there's a lot of critique I had in the beginning from the business side of it being like, well, maybe they might not be able to pronounce it or they'll have no idea what you're talking about. And I think that's the beauty of it. Just because you don't know about something doesn't mean you shy away from it. And the more that you can introduce it with a pleasant experience, then even more the better, right? Then you're not limited to just um, assumption. And now you have little kids who are coming up to our pop-ups and they, they initially like, I want vanilla. And when, you, when they look, we have... We have flavors that might look like vanilla to them. And when they try it, they're like, I actually like that more. And then it's like, but that's not vanilla. And, and they're like, oh, what is it? And so now they're carrying that knowledge of I've had that as a kid. And I didn't just have vanilla as a kid. I had other flavors from places that I haven't even stepped foot. I can encourage others to try it. And I think that's the thing. It's it. I love the act of sharing because it allows uh, a natural sense of encouragement of not allyship, but in a way that it, like it makes people excited to continue on sharing beyond just people and the culture. You also had said that uh, your flavors are seasonal to the Philippines and not just to LA. Mm -hmm. That's I think that's a really cool way you like connect with, I guess that place without being in that place. Right. Yeah, like, for example, um, during the holiday season, there's this one thing, <laughs> there's, there's a couple of dishes that you would typically see celebrated during the Christmas time in Philippines. And this would be something that is like an evening street food that would be 
purple rice that is ground up with white sweet rice. And so that's the purple rice is called pirurutong rice. The sweet right, uh, the sweet white rice is malakit rice. And they would grind that up, put it in a bamboo shoot and steam it. And so when it comes out, it's a steamed rice cake log in the shape of a bamboo. And then um, they would put brown sugar on top or muscovado sugar. And I believe it's cheese and butter as well on top and coconut, like coconut shavings. And so when I think about those, those aren't something that you typically have every day. Those are things that if, if you're used to having that or growing up with it, it's at a specific time and it. It's again, it's that context of like, why am I having this at this time and not at another time? I think there's something great about that experience. If you were dropped into the Philippines right now, will you be having the flavors that you would see there at this moment? And that was really important for me. There's, there's a seasonality of excitement. So how do you feel Chiri Chiri fits into the greater um, Filipinx food movement in the U.S.? It's interesting because there was, before I even started Cherry Cherry, I reached out to lots and lots and lots of Filipinos who were either starting, have already started their business, or knew or contemplating, and just wanted to see like what their take was on what what their contribution is. And a lot of them, it's, it's very much either this essence of sharing themselves or sharing someone in the past that meant a lot to them through the, through the medium of cooking or through the medium of a food. When I think about our ice cream, it's, I like the idea of, cha- of like challenging things, not just consuming, but thinking of like, well, why, why is this particularly different? Why are these decisions made? There's a lot of intersectionality that happens with food. And if we don't take the time to sit and actually uh, embrace it, then then a lesson could be lost. And so I I like the idea of really trying to embody the the human form into the ice cream. So it feels that you're learning more about the culture through people versus the culture through eating something delicious. Because um, there was another time that I was interviewed where I mentioned that you can eat all the you can eat all of the Thai food that you want. And it's like, do you feel that you would know the inner stories or the things that that mean a lot, the symbols that mean a lot to someone of Thai descent? And it's like, maybe not. You might we might uh, understand some patterns with flavors, uh, flavor profiles. But when does that shift from the actual food that you're eating to the the people that are making them? And I think that's that's one of the biggest things that I think it's I don't think of it as a Filipino food movement but I think as a a revealing of who are the Filipinos in this movement and so I think that's why I care so much about it cool so um I want to ask you about how COVID-19 has affected your business as far as distributing ice cream and being um, present at pop-ups and how that's shifting or changing and possibly about your new project. With COVID, I mean, immediately I I think about people's safety first and foremost. And so pop-ups immediately stopped. Um, I didn't want people to have to worry 
about um, about any disease while they're trying to get ice cream. So I was putting a lot of energy and time and trying to figure out, okay, how do I get this shipped to people? Um, and I think the more that we stayed at home quarantine, the more I started noticing a different issue that um, that started presenting itself. And it was just people were sitting at home and they there were all these questions that they originally didn't have the time to sit with. And now it was so, so present and might be so weighty. And I started thinking, I'm putting my efforts to the ice cream, but there is another issue that is tugging at me so much more right now. And how, how do I either distribute my focus or do I need to think of it similarly as seasons? Do I address that concern that is affecting the whole entire world right now? Hopefully get to a place where when things are safer that I can also bring back the comfort and the the education and factor that Cherry Cherry brings. And I think the beauty that Cherry Cherry brings will always be needed, but I think it's less needed than another thing that um, that was more present in people's mind, their mental health. Even though Cherry Cherry is very much about their physical health and well-being, it's like I, I wanted to add on to Cherry Cherry. So I'm starting my own platform, which is Muni Muni. And that one is a Tagalog phrase, Muni Muni, which means to think deeply, reflect. And and that's very different than Cherry Cherry. Cherry, cherry means nothing in Tagalog, um, but it is meant to capture in the English form that it's like giving cheer, right? So I wanted to find a place, whether it's through journaling or group sessions how do we sit with the questions that are hard for us and how can we do that in by ourselves or with family and so just the same way that cheery cheery is interesting to an individual it ultimately affects the whole family and is inclusive to the whole family and so that's the same way of that I, I see Mooney Mooney and how can I partner with people where they're not feeling alone and we're working through what that medium is. It's taking a lot of journaling, probably like two hours of journaling a day, trying to figure out how can I best um, serve and support. But they are very complementary, the two, I believe. If we can't see each other in person, I, I don't think that that means we lose all of the connections. So how do we connect in different ways? And we're looking into what Mooney Mooney, how can it capture that? for people so that they themselves have confidence in being alone, but not feeling lonely. Mm -hmm. Hmm. So right now you're just on Instagram or other mediums? With Mooney Mooney? Uh, for Mooney Mooney, uh, it's currently on Instagram. Uh, it's We've been doing journal series where I provide, I provide like week long or two week long, um, journal prompts for people and it went really successful 50 people signed up uh, on the first launch um, that we had and um, we have a group I call it like a party at the end of it where everyone comes together either releasing and sharing what it is that they've gotten from the experience and 
And I think there's something so powerful about movement and expression and so, um, and learning. And so there's all those aspects that is infused into it as well. And so that was just the first two times that we did that. And I think that there's a lot of curating that I want to do with it the same way I did with Cheery Cheery um, to make it really define what are people what should people expect at the end of this for themselves and is the is it a medium that is accessible and easily approachable for them because if if it's if it's a difficult topic then how how do you make it something that is exciting to actually um be part of and um sit with but um yeah cheery cheery we have we have our website, cherrycherry.com. We have that on Instagram as well. And so it's, you'll start seeing that they're going to be even more heavily woven. Um, so that way people, people feel supported in multiple fashions, the mental, physical, spiritual side. So just to reiterate, your website is cherrycherry.com and your Instagram, all your other social media. Mm-hmm. cherrycherry.com and our instagram for cherry cherry is c-h-e-e-r-i underscore c-h-e-e-r-i and then for our uh, mooney mooney it's currently only on instagram and it's it's mooney mooney i-t-s-m-o-o-n-i m-o-o-n-i great thank you mm-hmm. okay so Thank you again, Christy, for joining us today on the show, and I hope you have a great rest of your week and summer. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. That concludes our show. We had two great interviews, one from Catherine, who is the owner of Nora's Plant Based, and a second interview from the owner of Chiri Chiri, a Filipino-style vegan ice cream company from California, and the owner of that company is named Christy. So I had a great time, and I'm now craving something creamy and cold. This has been Animal Voices here on 100.5 FM, Vancouver Co-op Radio, coming from Vancouver, British Columbia. Next Friday, we'll have another hour of Animal Voices, Friday at 12. In a couple weeks, you'll be hearing from Leah and I again. We're going to put together an episode about vegan children's books or visit our website at animalvoices.org where you can stream past shows and download them as podcasts or stream previous episodes through Apple Podcasts if you use that or even Google Play. Stay in touch with us on Facebook or even Instagram at Animal Voices Vancouver. And we have a Twitter, Animal Voices YVR, not very active, but you could check it out. And we will leave you today with a song by the New Young Pony Club titled, you guessed it, Ice Cream. Enjoy. Enjoy.